0: I guess I can talk to this thing now. I feel like I'm well above you guys now. <laughs> um, I want to thank Tom and Pastor Tom for uh, inviting me to speak. I did think he was a little weird <laughs> when I first when I first met him. Uh, uh, but he was a great neighbor. He would take his chainsaw after hurricanes and be out there cutting other people's trees. <laughs> I said, What's wrong with him? <laughs> but he is a great neighbor to have, and I just appreciate the uh, time to spend this to give to you. My, my wife, Anna, or Jan, <laughs> what is <the> Anna for? <laughs> my wife, Jan, said, I think you need to talk about unforgiveness. And uh, I said, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I could probably, I, I feel like John Wimber. John Wimber started the Vineyard Churches. And one of his testimonies I heard, he said, the Lord was convicting me of a sin. He said, well, he could have convicted me of a multitude of sins. He said, he chose this one sin. And When the Apostle Paul said, I am the chief of sinners, there's so many theologians, and I've heard them all, that say, well, he didn't really mean that. He did mean it. (laughs) And I feel like I'm the chief of sinners, but the Lord has saved me, (laughs) and he's forgiven me. And and when I still do wrong things, he still forgives me. So I stand before you today not as a, a perfect vessel, but as a forgiven person, and I remember that. I remember that uh, illustration that Jesus gave. I, I, actually, he was there. This woman was caught in adultery. And she had, they caught her in the very act, and they were come here to stone them. And and, they were, and these Pharisees put, put this girl at Jesus' feet and said, She is guilty of adultery. Our law, Jesus said, Whoever is without sin cast that first stone. And everybody left. I think when Jesus wrote in the sand, this is just my personal opinion, I think he wrote the sins of everybody there. They saw what he did, and they said, oh my goodness, that is me. I can't throw any rocks. And and he said to her, is there anybody else accusing you? And she said, no. Well, go and don't sin anymore. <laughs> and I wish that we could all do that. I I, I pray that Jesus' power is great enough for all of us, and uh, but I wanted to to show you what sometimes we get. Oh, is that your name, Kevin, back there in the back? Yeah. What's your first name? Mark. Mark. Martin said he would say "Amen" every five seconds. <laughs> Did he do it already? (laughs) Thank you, guys. He said if I'd paid him, but I didn't have any money to pay him. I I wanted to, uh, to to show you some of the intensity of unforgiveness and how you all, every one of you, have somewhere in your life that this message will touch and that you don't have to tell me about it. But in a letter to the editor about unforgiveness. A pastor wrote something. You can pick up your uh, sheets. Is anybody needing an extra sheet? Uh, uh, what do you call these message sheets? Sermon outlines. That's what they're... Anybody need one? Well, let's read that first, par- first paragraph because this is a pastor. It says, The pastor had done many funerals, but only until he suffered deep, deep grief could he relate to the pain and loss of others. The pastor married a Christian woman, and they had a beautiful son together. His wife left him for another man. He struggled with unforgiveness and the challenges of it. Do I divorce my wife? Do I remarry? How do I forgive my wife? How do I forgive the man she was with? I was so broken and alone. I have chosen to forgive her and the man she was with, and I am on the journey into deeper forgiveness. I'm waiting to see if she will come back. Through this pain and disappointment, I am closer with my Jesus, and my marriage is in Jesus' hands. I can't, force her to, I can't force her free will, but I can trust that God can meet my needs as I wait for him to clarify his will for me. This, 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 is, this is what happens to people. It may have happened to you, but I want you to know that Jesus will comfort you, and he will provide for your every need. That's what he says. He promises to provide for our every need. And he will and he can. And and you say, well, I I really don't know what I'm going to do. I I, I just feel so lonely. I'm so alone. And I've heard that from a member last week, as, as early as last week. I'm so alone. I feel so lonely. Jesus says, I will meet your every need. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that's true. Well, let me get into this uh, sermon I have. Why do people have unforgiveness? Where'd that clock go, Tom? <laughs> you mean I got to keep it? <laughs> Might go long, you know. The <laughs> new, new one's coming, okay. <laughs> it probably matches, right? But I can't see it anyway because of all the spotlights. But that's All right. Why do people have unforgiveness? And An example is in... Uh, sermon, go to Mark Mark eleven twenty five, in your Bibles. Tom says he likes to have pages turned. <laughs> I'm a computer whiz here. <laughs> so you'll see me go to my computer. I got a bunch of uh, Bibles in there. Uh, you can read this out of the uh, sermon outline if you want. Now, listen to this. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you too. Looks like it's conditional, doesn't it? If you do something, God will do something. (laughs) Interesting. Now, why do people have unforgiveness? And I read this in in some of my preparation as I was preparing for this message You stuff your feelings and stay away from parents who have hurt you and you say things as they did the best they knew how. Have you you ever heard that? I've heard it. (laughs) They did the best they knew how to do. But that may not be true. If they abused you, I talked to a girl in um, Brazil who had been abused by her father and her brother, her older brother, sexually abused her almost every night. She was in fear of going to sleep. <laughs> and then she, got, she ran away from home at 16, and, and she went to a church and got saved. And a pastor says, now you must forgive your brothers. No way. <laughs> she said, you got to do it because that's what Jesus said to do. It doesn't matter if we feel like doing it. We have to do it. So she says, oh, all right. So she forgave her father. Her father cried, and now he's a Christian. She forgave her brothers. The younger brother got saved. The older brother died of AIDS. She came to me the next day after doing her prayer ministry, and she said, I I wanted to show you somebody. She showed me her new husband and her three kids. And they all came up to me, and she said, these are my kids. The Lord has given me happiness that I never thought I would have. That's the way, that's the road to happiness. You want the road to peace? It's forgive. Some of you say, but you don't know what they did for me. In fact, last, was it last night I think I heard something that says, I'll never forgive them. Um, <laughs> that's not what Jesus said. Jesus is God, so whatever he says is good. B says, harbor bitterness and pent-up anger for what they did to me. That's why people have unforgiveness. What they did to me was so severe, I cannot forgive them. It's like uh, somebody was telling me, unforgiveness is like sticking yourself with a knife and expecting them to hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sticking yourself with a knife, expecting someone else to hurt. That's unforgiveness. and uh, <laughs> Jesus is trying to keep us from doing that. Uh, people see as people deny the severity of their wounds, and I, I think this happens with parents. I was um, convicted when I started studying this because I love my brother, I love my son, but I don't see them very often because it's more comfortable to me if I don't, if I'm not there. And I said, Lord, if I had not forgiven them for everything, is there something that I haven't forgiven? And uh, I think the Lord is asking me to get more involved in their lives. To get more involved in my son's life. And he lives here in Wilmington and I don't see him very often. My daughter lives in Mebane or Durham and I don't see her very often either. My father is, is deceased. My brother lives in Alabama. And since my dad died, I haven't been back yet. So I think, if you forgive somebody, you want to have a relationship with him, And that's really the thing. The end of forgiveness is a relationship. You want a relationship with that person who's done wrong to you. Your, your father who abused you, ladies, you want a relationship with him. He's the only father you'll ever have. Have a relationship. Get a relationship started. Tell him, I forgive you. And don't say, for what? I was listening to R.T. Kendall And he had a sermon that says, if you say forgive you, if you say I forgive you, and they say for what? (laughs) Have you ever talked to somebody like that? (laughs) For what? Well, you did this, this, and this. And they say, what? I didn't do that. (laughs) So people people deny because they didn't even know they hurt you. It's like a tank running over someone not even knowing it. That's the way people are. So the best thing to do is say I forgive you and don't tell them what for. Just just do it and, and walk away or, and, and try to establish. So, so the goal in forgiveness is establishing a relationship with the person who's done bad things to you. It shows more than anything else, it shows your, your, your belief in Jesus Christ. Your marriage partner on D, your marriage partner has disappointed you or failed to meet your needs. Many, Most of you are married. I have found that uh, marriage can be tough at times for all of us, but God used marriage as his crucible to put us all, put us all on fire. It's not a place where we can just find peace and joy. It's a place where we have a battle, it's a battleground, it really is, but the Lord wants you to have peace, and he wants you to have joy, and he will give it if you follow his example, and do what he says to do. All right. Either you want the person to feel the pain and hurt like you did. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've done that. (laughs) I want you to hurt just as much as I hurt. Have you ever heard that before? You've seen it. You've probably done it. (laughs) I've done it. I want them to hurt. That hurt me. They didn't know anything about it. They were like that tank that ran over me. Didn't feel anything. I want them to feel it. So I will do that. And then... F is punish (laughs) and I will punish them, right? But that's not what we're supposed to do. We must forgive them. A lot of times people uh, won't forgive somebody because they feel like if they (laughs) if they don't forgive them, or if they forgive them, you've, you've let them off the hook. Is that right? You've let them off the hook if you forgive them. You tell them they're not guilty. But look what Jesus did for you. He forgave you Amen. of all your sins. All of us here are sinners. I, I know. I know. We're supposed to be princes and kings, and I think we are. But we're also sinners. <laughs> and, and this is a. If you go to some churches, they'll say I'm a sinner saved by grace. You go to another church, says I'm a priest and prince. Why? Why did churches divide against that? That, that's something that we won't ever know for sure. But I know that even as a, a, a prince, I have sinned. I know that Jesus is my Savior, but I have sinned. And I think when Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, I think he meant it. I think he meant it. It meant just what he said. He knew his own sin. And, and there's something in Colossians, and it says, oh, God, why do you love us so? Why do you love us so? We're so imperfect and so unbalanced. Why do you love us so? But he does. Jesus loves us. Thank you. You know, what? I've heard uh, there's a song going out now that he loves us. Oh, he loves us. I can't sing very well, but that's the song. that uh, He loves us no matter what we do. There's nothing, in the, I think uh, Graham Cook says this in one of the songs. He says, there's nothing you can do to make the Lord love you less. That's right. You can spit in his face, you can kick at him, but he will not love you any less than he did before. Isn't that something? <laughs> uh, I like this G here. Parents have their favorites and it's not you. <laughs> I I I had a grand- grandmother who died well, about 20 years ago, and she liked me. But she hated everybody else. <laughs> I was her favorite. And it felt good to be the favorite, you know, But, but those people who weren't the favorite didn't, didn't like that much. <laughs> Workplace is injustice. You may have been passed over. Because of office politics and favoritism. This is a real biggie for, for, for those of you that work. You may have been denied a job because you were not the right sex, race, or age. <laughs> you may have been denied a job. Someone who flattered the boss got the job you wanted. You were more qualified, but that was not considered. These are all workplace. I know. I know you guys have the same thing going on. You know, you see these. We watch Jen and I watch the Hallmark Channel a lot. (laughs) And uh, I should have gotten that job. You know, you're real disappointed. Now, if you let unforgiveness work on you, it'll work on you, and you say, "I should have gotten that job," and it'll last for years. You will not treat that person the same way. What's it do to you? It starts depositing. Bad feelings, bitterness, and anger, as the Bible says, a, a bitter root will develop. <laughs> and it'll mess you up, let me tell you. Unforgiveness hurts. Number two, even when you think you're making the other person suffer, it's, it's hurting you. It's like that stick and that knife. If you can use this illustration, stick a knife in, your, in yourself and say, I want them to hurt. <laughs> it really works. All right, we're going to go to the Bible, and one of the stories, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Genesis thirty-seven one. i I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will tell you the story about Genesis. And uh, I'm going to tell you the story so that we can do it in, t- in time, and you, you'll listen to me a little better. All right, if you go to the three, it says, The Father, Israel, did... Heightened the unforgiveness of his son. Why did he do that? How did he do that? You can, you can talk back to me. Now, he loved Joseph more. He had his favorite son. Now, now, how do you think? Joseph also, it says in the Bible, Joseph also told on his brothers. So here's the favorite son looking at everything they're doing. He's 17 years old, and he's telling all the bad things that the brothers do. So what? How do, you, how, do you, how do you think the brothers felt? Very annoyed, yeah. <laughs> they were annoyed, and also they were bitter and angry at Joseph. So Joseph was, and then to top it all off, he has a dream. And he dreamed that he was the king, and they were, they were bowing down to him. And, and they said, oh, we're not bowing down to him. He's the brother we don't like. So let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. That's, they had murder in their hearts. And y'all know what happened. Just so happens that it was Camel Caravan, <laughs> Ishmaelites were coming by and they said, Hey, why don't we sell him as a slave? That'll work. So they did. <laughs> he was sold into slavery, as uh, as as C says, G- G- Joseph was sold. Now, this is something that we can't control. God was with him, and and he excelled in everything he did. Um, I I don't know why. I'm not God. (laughs) But sometimes God will put his favor on a person. It's not because they're greater. I like Bill Johnson's humility. He'll say, so what if you've had two or three different kind of tongues? You can't brag on that because God gave it to you. (laughs) You got it? So what? God gave it to you. And he does that same thing with people who are blessed and honored. He gives money to some. He gives, he gives talent singing to some. wish I could sing like Sarah could sing, you know. <laughs> and, and some of the others that have been up here, goodness sakes. But it, he does give out talent to people. I don't know exactly why he, he missed me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I don't I feel honored to be here, I'll tell you that. Hey, man, you Elvis, Presley. Elvis Presley, yeah. I like Elvis now. He's my buddy. <laughs> I know that's probably a sin, but <laughs> but the Lord forgives, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoa. Mike Hogan said, it just shows your age now. He knows how old I am. So <laughs> I look like I'm 50. You got to forgive him. That's true. So some people just seem to have it all right. They have it all made and and they excel in everything they do. What does God want us to do? Well, I love them. I love them, Lord, and I forgive them for everything they've done. That's you don't know why God I don't know why God gives some people some things and some people other things and and it says in the Bible some are preachers, some are teachers, some are or uh, gifts, have the gift of helps. We don't know why God gives it to certain people. We don't know. God does. So we just have to trust him. Say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know why I don't have the talent that they have. I don't know why I'm, like, I'm not like Joseph, who was good with the books. He, he was good with the finances. And so Potiphar trusted him so much that he put him in charge of his whole household. And he was pretty rich, I think. Amen. So he was in charge of the whole household. And... Uh, <laughs> but his Potiphar's wife found Joseph to be very handsome, handsome and well-built. So what did she do? Tempted Joseph. Now, God could have said, I can't tempt Joseph. He's, he's mine. And That's not what God did. He let the temptation go. And Joseph says, I cannot do. I have everything given to me. I can't take it and give it. To he said, I can't do this thing with you because everything I, that Potiphar has has been given to me except for you. You're the only thing that, that he doesn't have, doesn't give to me. So Joseph, the story was he resisted Potiphar's wife many times, probably a lot. So he did, he did well. And then she went in the, he went in the household and she was alone with him. And what happened? He says, I can't do it. I can't do it. So he ran. Well, she grabbed him and ended up with his coat. And that coat got him in trouble because he was a slave. And he went to jail for having relations with Potiphar's wife. And he was doing nothing but right. Now, what would you do if you were Joseph? Say, Lord, what would you do that for? Wouldn't you? I would. (laughs) I'd I'd be sitting on my knees in that prison and say, God, why am I here? You know I was innocent. You know I didn't do what they say I did. But he did it anyway. And he was there for two years. And then I guess the baker and what's the other guy's name? Candlestick. Oh, not the candlestick. (laughs) Cupbearer. Now, y'all know what a cupbearer is, right? So the king, so, so the pharaoh won't get poisoned. They have a cupbearer to drink it. He wasn't worth anything, so he'd drink it. And if it was okay for him, then the king would drink it. That's what a cupbearer does. They had a everybody tried. You know, one of the favorite ways of getting rid of the king is poisoning. Him. <laughs> so they they did a cupbearer, somebody who wasn't as worthy as the king. So that's what happened. Now they were in prison. I don't know what the what, what they did wrong didn't say but they were in prison and then what did what did uh Joseph do they had a dream and they started talking about it and Joseph says hey wait a minute only God can interpret dreams let me ask you what your dreams all about so he did and the the cupbearer one of the, I think it's the cupbearer was 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 killed <laughs> brutally but the first one that came out. He said, oh, I think your dream's about uh, three days, you're going to be back in Pharaoh's camp, and you're going to be his baker. The cupbearer says, hey, that's pretty good. What's happened? What What? What did mine say? Well, I think you're going to be dead in three days. <laughs> it wasn't a very good... Uh All right, I, I like R.T. Kendall's word about this. He said... What would Joseph qualify if he would go to Tom and say, "Tom, I want to work for you. Uh, What do you do?" Oh, I I interpret dreams. Now, would that get the job? It'd be kind of tough to give a guy a job just because he interpreted a dream. But Pharaoh dreamed. (laughs) He was called before Pharaoh, and God blessed him and helped him look competent. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream when no one else could. So God had his plan, and, and Joseph later on would get into that plan. He said, hey, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. And, I, and God had his plan a long time ago, 10, 20 years ago. Was it 13? He was there 13 years, I think. He was called before Pharaoh, and God blessed him, made him look competent. He was second in command of all Egypt and given the opportunity to use God-given insight. This is the K I got. Wow. Second in command. He was like the vice president, <laughs> except he had more power. <laughs> Our country doesn't give the vice president much power. <laughs> I was, well, we'll get on, we'll get on something else. I don't want to get in politics. So he met his brother again, the hell there, and was able to get back at them for sending him to Egypt. Now, look, think about it yourself. What would you guys do if these 11 guys had tried to kill you? You saw them years later, 13 years later. They were at your command, and you had the power to do anything to them. That you wanted to do. Whew. That'd be tough. (laughs) But through through Joseph could understand Hebrew, and they didn't know that because he looked Egyptian. I don't know if he had his head shaved or whatever, but you guys have seen these walk like an Egyptian things? Anyway, an Egyptian at that time, they looked like Egyptians. I don't know if he dressed that way or what. But he, looked, he didn't look like their old brother, who is only 13 years older. But he didn't look like it. So they didn't know what he was doing. So they talk in Hebrew, and they say, hey, this guy don't trust us. He's accused us of spying on the land. Uh, why don't we just... Uh, tell him about our family, and then Joseph says, do you have any more? They said, well, we had a brother, and and he he is not with us anymore. That's what they said. They didn't say they killed him, (laughs) or they sold him into slavery. Uh, So they tried to make themselves look pretty good. Now, I was reading through Psalms, and I came upon in there. I don't think he came up with this way of thinking without suffering. This, is an, this was a surprise to me. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised it, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dream. The Lord tested Joseph's character. This is in Psalms 105, 17. I uh, thanks, thank you for the Internet and Google. <laughs> I was able to find it. I knew it was in there somewhere, but I couldn't find it anywhere. But you know it's pretty tough having something around your neck a chain tied to it so so Joseph didn't have a picnic in prison this says it wasn't a picnic but he was tested in that prison now if you are if you have a great prophecy on your life what happens next <laughs> boom the bottom falls out <laughs> No, Lord, I had this great. I have had people say, I'm called to preach. You may be preaching 20 years from now. So the thing to do is to let the Lord have you (laughs) completely. All right. Number four A says a craving for revenge is normal, but not scriptural. I want to get back. Have you ever heard the saying? There's a saying that says, Oh, what does it say? It did come in ahead a while ago. It's it's, it's about holding a grudge. Payback, a payback is what is it? Yeah, payback. Payback is H E L L. That's what they say. I've heard that in the military. <laughs> I can't say those words. <laughs> but what's that? That shows you revenge. This person is paying back somebody else for doing something to them. Payback is H. <laughs> I'll say that. That's what people say. Now, what are they saying? They're saying, "I'm going to get you back." What's that show you? That they haven't forgiven them. That they want revenge. What's that do? Hurts you. Those, that person that will not forgive gets hurt. That, that's backwards. That shouldn't happen that way. <laughs> B4B says, revenge can control and corrupt us. You might think you're getting back at them, but you also have a bitter heart in your in yourself. And that root of bitterness will grow and grow and grow until you are a hateful person to be around. That's that, don't you know people like that? Yes. All right. I had a woman one time tell me every time she called mama, mama lived in somewhere in North Carolina. She said, Every time I call mama, she's extremely negative. What do I do? I've forgiven her for her sin of being negative, but I don't want to be around her anymore because every time I'm around her, I feel like she's dragging me down. What does that mean? What do you do? So my advice was, call her, tell her you love her, and when she gets negative, just say, "Mom, I'll see you later. I'm not gonna let that negative influence in my heart." And I I really don't. And I advised her. I said, "I don't don't believe you have to go see her, but you've got to be her daughter." even though she's a negative person, and, sh- and show her things. Reconciliation is what you're after, and show her ways to, to be reconciled to you and say, Mom, I'd like to come visit you, but if I do, I don't want any negative thought or thought or, or talking. You could, that way she will see what's going on. And this, these are hard things to do. They really are, especially with your parents. Your parents don't always treat you like you want to be treated. But you got to forgive him anyway. I was telling somebody just yesterday, that's the only mother you'll ever have. Isn't that something? You only got one mother. Right. And God knew before you were born where you're going to be. In Psalms 131, not Psalms 91 says, He knew you, or 139. Psalms 139 says, He knew you before you were born. He knew you in your mother's womb, and He knew the days of your life would, and what they would be. So, God, you could say, God, how long is Tom going to live? Oh, uh, he knows. <laughs> God knows everything. So you think, oh, boy, they were taken before their time. Whose time? Whose time is that? God says, I know how long they're going to live. And, and there's nothing Satan can do to stop that. Nothing. God is in charge. And, and when Jen and I had this talk about uh, praise God in or four, it it's, depends on which translation you read, for all he has done. Praise him for everything. So when my mother died, I praise the Lord. I don't feel like it. I feel depression. I feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel sad because my mother's died. But I know that she's gone to heaven and she's in a better place. And the, the people that have been to heaven don't want to come back here. Has anybody here had a near-death experience? Did you Did you get in heaven? People that go to heaven—this has been my experience. I've read a hundred books about this. They never want to come back because when their test is over, they want to stay there. That's <laughs> just amazing. Where are we at? Three D. Joseph would not become the man he was if he hadn't have spent 13 years of hardships plotting revenge. <laughs> it says, would not have become the man he was if he had spent 13 years of hardship plotting revenge. So basically, God was testing him. He knew that he was supposed to be tested, and he was tested, and, God, and he probably was wondering, God, when are you going to do something? You gave me this dream back when I was a kid. When are you going to make it happen? And I'm sure when he went in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh was uh, saying, nobody else could interpret this dream, and I had a dream. I'm sure he was saying, well, there's nothing I can do to get out of here. I'm held. He probably was depressed. In fact, he, he thought, I'm here, I'm here forever. What do I do? So I just I don't think we know how Joseph felt because the Bible doesn't say it. But when he came in front of when he became when he came in front of Pharaoh, he said only God can interpret dreams. Pharaoh was so impressed with that. Here was a man who worshipped idols. Uh, If you you study the Egyptian gods, they are not they're Isis and bunch of other gods they have. They have a bunch of gods and they're not nice. And he said, my goodness, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows exactly what I did. But it was because of Joseph's lifestyle that he was brought in front of Pharaoh in the, in the, in the first place. God says, okay, you're ready now. You're done. Go ahead and, and, uh, and wow everybody with what I'm going to tell you. And God told him the meaning of the dream. Number five says uh, we shouldn't try to prevent that nothing hurtful has happened when it has. If there's somebody in your, in your life, a, a relative or a friend that you have not, con- you have not called for years and there's, there's something they did to you, pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I just want a relationship with you. What do I need to do? I really believe that's hard, but it's, it's true. I really believe that's true. And your coming back to that person will mean a lot to them. Let's think about yourself. If somebody called you that is in your past and says, I'd like a relationship with you, and that what what do I need to do to get that relationship going? <laughs> it would be very powerful. But don't deny it was real. A lot of times people say, Well, my dad did everything they could do. Well, they, they might be sinful, <laughs> they might have sinned. Forgive them for that sin and let them go. Or my father or my mother or this person, that they, they abused me or whatever they did. Forgive them. Forgive them. It's not just a flip it, forgive them. Forgive them. I was talking to one lady, and she said, somebody did me wrong. And I said, I forgive them, Lord. I choose to forgive them in prayer ministry, which we do. She said, the next day I woke up, didn't feel like it. I still didn't like them. I said, Lord, today I choose to forgive them. She did that for six months. It took six months before she felt that forgiveness for them. She saw her, she saw her later on. There's a, uh, Tom says sometimes if you're standing next to the person and you don't want to sing by them, you haven't forgiven them yet. That's true. So for six months she prayed every day, every morning, she said, she got up, and she says, I forgive her in Jesus' name, and, and nothing happened for six months, but she kept doing it, and then she saw her at Walmart about six months later, and she had forgiven him. and God just washed over her with peace and joy and love, and uh, she saw her in Walmart, and she just gave her a hug, and she said, I love you. You think that made an impression on that lady? I think it did. This works. I'm telling you, this works. It's not easy, but it works. This forgiveness lifestyle works. All right, 5B says, ignoring pain will go one or two places, outward onto the people who have hurt you or inward into yourself. Uh, we C says we need to admit the emotions that the painful event has aroused. Even though we forgive, we also have a right to determine if they have changed before we trust them in the future. And that's marriage and abuse as examples of that. So you don't have to be, you do your side. <laughs> Somebody's. I read this, you do your side, you forgive, but they don't have to forgive you. That's, up to, that's between them and God. So if if they hold a grudge against you, just make sure your your ground is level, okay? Make sure that you have forgiven them because if you have not, it'll show. But if you have all unforgiveness out of your heart, then you can have a relationship with that person. What they do is between them and the Lord. So don't don't ignore that that person hurts you. and he said there are consequences for sin. God forgives our sin, but we usually suffer temporal, consequence, or temporal consequences. Leave the consequences to God. So if you're trying to punish somebody, and we've talked about that, it, leave it to God. Say, God, that person did, did the wrong thing. It says definitely wrong. They were wrong. And the Lord's just sitting there like this. He's saying, okay, they're wrong. Now what? What are you going to do? I forgive him, Lord. There's an old saying in the Bible that says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath and your anger. <laughs> we do that all the time. Jan-, Jan will yell at me in the morning, and I said, I ain't going to forgive you today, <laughs> not until the sun goes down. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> it says in the Bible. <laughs> no, motives. motives are not right, so be forgiving. Live a, live a forgiving lifestyle, I'm trying to tell you that. Now, oh, here we go. Number six, Jesus stressed the importance of reconciliation when he taught, quote, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens, you have won a brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two along so that the matter be established between the testimony by the testimony of two to three witnesses. That's Matthew 18. We use that in uh, staff meetings and stuff like that. Ma- Matthew 18 them. <laughs> that means a lot to us. <laughs> We know what it means to forgive them. They've offended me. I don't want to forgive them. But you do that anyway. Christ died on the cross, 7B. Wait a minute. 6B, don't hold a grudge. Instead, approach the ones you have hurt so that you may be reconciled and resist the desire to gossip to others. Oh, man, gossip is a real bad thing. I didn't think. I thought that's something men did at at barbershops. When I was growing up, I could hear the barber, you know, yapping in, so he's yapping and they're yapping in. The end. And I said, that, that's where people gossip. But I find that I do that too. I gossip to people. I have asked the Lord to forgive me for the gossiping. For people. And, and that, that's something that happens in the church a lot. Especially happens when you think you're right. That preacher should have never done that. That doesn't make any sense. Why do he do that? Then you go and tell your sister or your, or your uh, friend, that preacher did this, this, and this. And that, didn't, that is not right. Do you agree with me? So pretty soon, that's where church splits happen. Because somebody will ta- start talking to them. They'll talk to them, and they'll talk to them. And pretty soon, there's a whole bunch of people. My brother was here uh, a couple weeks ago, and he came here because his church had been gossiping. They'd been talking about him. And uh, <laughs> he, he's, enduring, he, he's enduring that. But, but it's not always easy to be talked about. So if you've committed some sin and somebody says, oh, that's a terrible sin, how could anybody do that who's a, who's a Christian? And then you go tell somebody else, that person did this, this, the this. Then they go to somebody else, that person did it. Pretty soon there's a whole bunch of people that don't like you. Why? Because somebody gossiped. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's telling something that you have no right to tell. Your job is reconciliation between you and the person who did the sin. What did Jesus do? He said, if you have not sinned, throw the first stone. So if your life is pure and clean, keep it that way by not gossiping. Because <laughs> that, that will take it. And I'm I'm telling you, it's in the church. It's always been in the church. And and it's around the church, people. It's happened to Christians. I know good and well you Christians gossip. I've heard you. I've heard you do it. If I do it, just catch me. (laughs) You shouldn't do that. (laughs) That's true. We need to correct each other. And, And if somebody starts talking to you about somebody else, say, I'm not sure about that, and walk away. Pretty soon they'll get, the, they'll get the hit, but what they want is somebody to agree with them. Somebody that, 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 that and may not be sure of all the details, and you're not either, but you tell them what you think. Oh, I think this, this, this. That shouldn't have been done this way. It should have been done another way. That's gossip. <laughs> it's not up to you. Number seven says the forgiving of large debt. Y'all remember that story in the Bible where this guy, millions of dollars, he came to the king and, the, and he said, hey, man, I don't have the money. The king just says, okay, your slate's clean. He hit the delete button on his computer, and he said, you're all right. So what the guy do? He goes to somebody else and says, you owe me $1,000. And he grabs him by the neck. I'm going to put you in jail unless you pay it. So here's a guy that was just forgiven for millions of dollars calling to the person that owed him $1,000, and he was mean. Well, the king found out about it. What did he do? He put him in jail. <laughs> he says, you'll stay there until you pay for it, Right. That's the forgiving. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And that's in Matthew 18, 35, and it's about that story that I just told you. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. So you must forgive each other. Christ died on the cross in our place. Be, and we are likely... We are to forgive freely to the sinner, even though it costs, it's costly to us. So I, I know it's very costly, and it, sometimes it hurts to forgive. <laughs> it really does. I, I want to punish them, but you can't. Not because you feel like you can't. You can't. God says you can't. You can't punish people. You let him do the punishment. Let him do the, the, the forgiving. Let him do everything, the, the judging. Tell him if they're wrong, God will get them. That's right. if, your wife and, if your wife or husband has left you, God will get them if they are not being obedient. Amen. He may give them a nice little spouse and they get married again. I don't know. I don't know. God is God and we're not. <laughs> so I don't know why God did that, but he's told me to forgive her. To forgive her. I can't. I can't be unforgiving anymore. I've got to forgive. And this is this is for your benefit, not just for somebody else. Number eight says forgiveness is something good you can do for yourself. God in His grace has forgiven us a debt that we can never repay. His generosity to us is on the basis for our forgiveness of others. We're told... See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defiles many. This is in Hebrews 1 or 12, 15. No bitter root. I'm going to end it right here. If we don't forgive, bitterness will become firmly entrenched in our character. It will make us cynical, unable to trust, and unable to maintain close relationships. And then you start gossiping. <laughs> On the other hand, forgiveness will free us to go in peace, unhindered in our enjoyment of the Lord. Let us forgive. Let us go past. Let us let's g- let go of the past and leave the pain back to God. Amen. Okay? Tom, you got it. <laughs>
1: That was good, Terry. Thank you. Jacob, we have some music or if we have, uh, let's uh, let's stand and you hear a message like this. I'm sure that it brings up memories of people from the past. And I remember years ago, I had a similar situation that um, I struggled with to forgive and the Lord set me up. I would pray occasionally for this couple and one morning, he showed up at my house to do some work that was called in by somebody else, and we were both real surprised. And, and, uh, I had just prayed five minutes before, and I believed my prayer for the first time in years. I said, Lord, I think I believe that prayer. I've been obedient to pray it to forgive. And, uh, he hugged me. He said, Look, can we get past our past? I said, Man, I just prayed for you. This is such a God setup. And, uh, so Terry was real clear. We don't allow violations of boundaries. We don't put our place, ourself in, in unsafe conditions. and But we are responsible for our side. And so we've seen reconciliation. I remember um, a time also where I had written a letter to my dad. He was, I don't believe, he was saved at that time. And I wrote it from a son's perspective of I wanted my dad to to be in heaven. And he saved that letter. And just before he died, he had, as he was dying of Mercer infection, he was getting all of his effects in order. He pulled out a letter that I had written to him in 1982. And he said to me, son, I sure hope I'm a better man than when you had to write me this letter. And man, we were both crying. And, and uh, I said, well, dad, you are. And so there's something about that reconciliation from a true hearted place of, God, I just I just want to be free of this. It could be an email. It could be a phone call. You let the Holy Spirit lead you. But if you have some unfinished business, the message you're hearing this morning is, do your part. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. It doesn't say when you feel like it or when you get around to it. So, Lord, I just pray right now. Let's just close our eyes and Lord, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll bring the revelation. He said, if anyone lacks wisdom, we can ask you. You'll freely tell us the truth because you're the spirit of truth. So, Lord, I bring, ask you to bring revelation to areas of our lives that are either holding us back or places where the wounds or the echoes of our past keep us actually in bondage. And then, Lord, I pray for those divine appointments, those perfect kairos moments where we have an opportunity. If the person's not alive or you just don't know where they are, then you deal with the Lord in your own heart and and just, I want to drop the stones. I want to drop the rocks, Lord. I don't want them thrown at me, even though I know there's times when I deserve them. Lord, show us how to drop the stones so we get to walk in a level of freedom. So, Lord, I thank you that you modeled this for us, Jesus. You hung there and you asked your Father to forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. So, Lord, I pray for the spirit of forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, I thank you that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what all we'd ever ask or even think. According to the power that is within us the power of the Holy Spirit to move mightily and to set us free. So, Lord, I pray for the families here. I pray those that are in stressed relationships of wounds and brokenness, the memories, God will know that you're not going to erase our memories, but you can remove the power that's behind it. And in that level of freedom, that move of your Spirit will actually set others free. It sets the captives free. Lord, we want to aspire, like Lisa said this morning, that Isaiah 58 church that aspires to be in the true fast, but it's going to require work in our own hearts, and we know we have not arrived yet, but we're willing. And so move mightily, Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, I'm going to ask the ministry team if you'll come. If you're here this morning and... You want to rededicate your life? I feel like there's some here that's saying, "You know what? Today's a day. I just want to I just want to come into agreement with someone. I want to turn some things around, some choices, some circumstances. Get prayer from someone here in agreement. There's, there's power in agreement. If two should agree as touching, it shall be done for them. He said, "You can speak to mountains to go into the sea, but it was conditional." First, forgive, and then pray in faith in Christ's name. So, Lord, we pray this morning, if there's here that those that need to rededicate, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and what an awesome day to come and say, this is the day that I want to be written in the Lamb's book of life. Or if you're here and you have a physical challenge, there's those places, either physical or emotional, that... You're just in a battleground. You need somebody to help you gang up on the circumstances of life. Don't leave here without that prayer of agreement. You have not because you ask not. Seek, knock, the door shall be open for you. Keep on asking. Don't grow weary in well-doing. So, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, we thank you as you have given us a privilege and an opportunity all this week. And in the jailhouses, those that it, my mom prayed for, as a young man is given two life sentences. He has an opportunity now to walk with Christ the rest of his life in those places where he can be a light in a dark place. But, Lord, I, I feel like there's times when there's less freedom outside the jailhouse than there is inside the jailhouse. So, Lord, we're asking for your freedom here this morning to come. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come for prayer. Don't forget, uh, we'll be in Chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel on Wednesday night. If you could read, man, there's meat and potatoes in Luke 4. It's starting. It's just amazing. So just come and be part of that. We'll see you. Don't forget, uh, there will be no voyage here tonight. So God bless you. Have fun with your families.